0: Friday Lunchtime Lectures at the Open Data Institute
1: So welcome everyone to this, uh, today's Lunchtime Lecture at the ODI and welcome to the ODI as well if it's your first time here with us. We do these Lunchtime Lectures every Friday, i have got some great ones coming up as well so keep an eye on our website and also if um, you're not able to make it into the office we also stream them online. So hi, if you're watching online. And um, you can kind of watch them online at the time that they're streamed or afterwards as well. Uh, so my name's Isabel Champion. I'm a consultant here at the ODI. And I'm really excited to introduce today's speaker, who is Andy Radford from Birmingham City Council. He's worked for Birmingham as a uh, transport planner for 17 years and uh, today he's gonna be speaking about Birmingham's perhaps non-traditional route into the world of open data and um, how uh, they've done some really cool and interesting guerrilla stuff with open data at Birmingham. So without further ado, um, I'll pass over to Andy Redford.
0: Thank you. Right, hi everybody, Um, just to say I've been struggling with Euston trains to get here and I'm going to be struggling on the way back. So I have till 1.50 and then the questions will have to end. So just so you're aware of that. Um, So I just want to put you in mind really, just start start a little bit of a question. Think about open data in local authorities. Who puts Birmingham at the top of the list of open data local authorities? So if you're online, everybody put their hands up there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Who puts us somewhere in the middle? And who puts us right at the bottom? Yeah. Um, And I'm assuming people who don't answer the question are thinking it is because, you know, maybe they do think we're right at the bottom. Um, So, yeah, uh, Birmingham City Council, not not a classic local authority that you think of, oh, yeah, they've done loads of really, really great stuff. Uh, This project, um, my original title was actually a guerrilla approach rather than the local authority that went guerrilla. I work for... The transportation department. I don't work on anything that's to do with organising open data and saying we need to have policies on this kind of thing. Um, so uh, that's why I put it uh, like that. Um, that's why I put a picture of a gorilla instead of, of gorilla. Um, and so this this was mentioned at the um, West Midlands Open Data Forum about a year or, a year or so ago that um, you know. Uh, They were saying, you know, what can we do to make Birmingham do open data much better than it it has been doing in the past? At some point they hand well, why don't you just copy what Andy's done? And they said, we can't really copy what Andy's done um, because, you know, that's just been as part of a project. That's not not necessarily the right way to do it. Andy's is more of a guerrilla approach. So that's where that came from. Um, So this isn't a standard presentation, really. This is more about talking to you about my story, a bit of a case study about how someone who doesn't really work on these things all the time might get on with, um, uh, get on with open data, um, who doesn't necessarily know everything when they start and what have you. Um, I try and get across three concepts as we're going through, really. So to local authority staff, this is kind of a mantra for almost everything to do with councils, really. Um, councils are a world of regulations and legal rules and guidelines and all this kind of thing it's far too easy when you work for a local authority to get into that world of, of saying well actually it's just easy to say no to everything why, why should I try and affect change when there's just going to be a million rules um, what I try and say is you know there's certain areas of the council yes where you're working in social services you must follow the rules and regs people like me that work in trying to change things trying to make things better it is possible to do a lot if you are pragmatic so this is what I'm trying to get across really um, to people who work for the Open Data Institute, very interested for you to just listen to, to what I talk about and see how you compare my world with, with your vision of perhaps how things should be and certainly tell me when I've done everything wrong or, or hopefully the one or two things that I might have done right. And then I've sort of got a big one. Hopefully there's suppliers listening on the internet, the suppliers to the transport industry. The world is changing. Are you coming? They're not really at this point. They don't come to me and say, ah, oh, yes, we want to fit in with your open data portal. They say, oh, I want to provide you this vertical data service where you buy one thing at the bottom and I sell you a million other things up the chain. Um, and, you know, it makes it really expensive and very difficult to change how you're working. But that is changing and Birmingham's changing. I know most of the other cities are changing and we're procuring goods and services in a different way. And the suppliers don't quite get it yet. Um, some do, but not all of them. So October 2013... Um, my colleague leaves the council. He appeared to have been working with some people on these European project things that we didn't understand and you know, getting involved in all these collaborations. Um, and I didn't know very much about it, but I, these two uh, projects funded under uh, the seventh framework programme were sat in my lap and I was told to sort of get on and, and do something about it. Um, Unbeknownst to me, actually, all European projects start like that, and almost every partner sat around the table goes to the first meeting with absolutely no idea what the project's going to be about. Um, But I thought it was just me at that point. Um, OptiCities is a project about multimodal journey planning. Um, City mapper, if you like, to get people's head in in the sort of thing. So not just one mode of transport, but trying to be able to swap between the two of them. Um, More specifically than that, though, Open data in relation to this. So it wasn't a project about trying to build Mapper. It was a project about trying to make sure that all the various uh, data sources were made open um, by uh, various different uh, local authorities. The data standardised in such a way that everyone could build an app and you start to build a, uh, a, a market in, those, in, the, in that kind of data. Um, really interesting to work on because different parts of the world... Certainly different parts of Europe have taken different approaches to things. Uh, We knew where all our bus stops were, but we didn't know how many people were on the bus. The French knew how many people were on the bus, but they didn't know where the bus stops were in data terms. Um, So quite an interesting project. Actually, my bit was very much more specific than that, um, which was was to do with um, predicting the traffic element. So basically being able to use all the sensors, all the cameras that we have, all the real-time data that we produce... Um, and use that to create um, uh, predictions of when things have gone wrong, perhaps before we get a report or what have you, or automatically implement strategies that say, okay, we'll go the other way or change the traffic light timings or wherever it might be. Um, but again, didn't know much about it at the start, but definitely all about saying let's do that in a really open um, open data type way, make that data available as APIs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, uh, Open Transport Net um, was a project about making open data. Once you have it, a lot more easier to use. Um, I think one of your, I don't think he's here. One of your colleagues um, uh, worked on it when he worked for a previous uh, uh, company. Um, so this was about saying, you know, open data can be quite difficult to understand. Particularly, um, you know, some of us are in the world of understanding APIs and Python and XML and what have you, but others are in the world of wanting a nice graphical user interface in the front end and whatever it might be. Um, so Open Transport Net was trying to do that in a, a transport sense, but also to create a portal where others could upload their data. You start to create a market in it, you have experts, whatever it might be. Um, These are funny transitions. Um, So, potted history of OptiCities. I've just put some acronyms up there. So, UTMC is Urban Traffic Management and Control. As far as anyone needs to be concerned, this is the database Where all the transport, sorry, the real-time traffic information goes to within a local authority, it's standardised, but it's basically just a a, a, a SQL database that has columns that say um, traffic speed here is X, traffic flow there is Y, journey time is this, that, and the other. Um, So this was quite a good thing, and this project um, in Birmingham to improve the data coming through that system had been going on for for a good few years, and they were right at the end of it. So actually, I had an advantage: is that in the private sense, BCC had quite a lot of traffic data that was available. Um, So um, in the world that was going on up till I got involved, um, they were going to do this thing called West Midlands Traffic Information Gateway, or may even mean Transport Information Gateway, um, which was going to provide sort of a web-based front end. So you still see the sort of thing where you you get a um, a, a traffic map, um, relatively static, and it's got some um, triangles on there with an exclamation marker on it on a picture of some roadworks and what have you. And that was going to be their sort of portal for getting hold of data about transport in the West Midlands. Exactly the sort of thing that sounds good as a project, but literally no one goes to your website to find that kind of information when they, before they plan their journey. Um, uh, so I just had this challenge that I needed to make the data open. Um, I'd certainly never heard of metadata catalogs. I'd never heard of portals. I'd never heard of all these things, but I knew I had to make um, a, uh, uh, the data available uh, as an API rather than as one of these um, cheap and cheerful websites. So my first... Um, uh, my first, uh, what should I say, idea was to go to the people doing this West Midlands Transport Information Gateway. They were already taking the information from the top, from the UTMC, and putting it into their sort of initial website. So why don't we speak to them and say, well, okay, you make this data available um, openly, um, you know, you can build the APIs and what have you. It's fair to say they did not have a clue what I was talking about. Um, they... And this is common, I'm not going to mention who it was, but the common amongst suppliers is they had this world where this was the product that they were doing and this is what they were going to sell you. The idea that you would perhaps have asked for something a little bit different or to do it in a different way and they could then price that up um, was quite alien to them. So um, really, you know, a, a few months of, um, of, of, of sort of phone calls, emails and meetings not turned up to and this kind of thing. And I was like, well, this isn't, this isn't the approach. And no fault of, of any of the guys, clearly I'm trying to do something to change things here, and, and, and that wasn't, um, wasn't really the market they were in. Um, so in about 2014, I went to, um, uh, the UTMC has like a user group, so we had quite a big um, conference in um, Birmingham, and I, as I am now, tried to make it sound like, I know loads about this stuff, and I, you know, I was doing some great stuff with transport, UTMC, I was gonna change the world, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, and, and we got away with it. Um, uh, but uh, 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 a random chap at the end of the meeting, so it comes along to, you were saying about, you know, different formats and maybe you're going to do some stuff in XML, in JSON, blah, blah, blah. He so said, I already have access into your UTMC database because I supply the car parking information. So that's the real-time information that says, you know, it's 300 spaces left or whatever it might be. He said, we can easily do conversions between XML, JSON, what have you, and we can do you a little, a little portal or what I would like to say, you know, really good value for money. So I will mention this company, AdapterLogic. Their, their, their idea is to build adapters between different types of databases, software, feeds, or whatever it might be. Um, and uh, so, yeah, um, within um, a few weeks, I was the first person in the country to have released UTMC data as open data. Amazing, that doesn't open. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, um, and, and that's the portal that exists today. Um Very cheap and cheerful, nothing like what I sort of think that people are supposed to do, but it it made the data that we had in Birmingham um, uh, uh, available uh, very quickly and open for use. And probably this point was actually what started me on the journey to to working out what we want to do with open data, how I want to change things, how I want to innovate, etc., etc. So as you can see, it's really basic. The front end is clearly circa 1996, um, and, you know, it looks like that, but it works, um, and so, <coughs> don't say that till you press the button, um, so when you click in one of these, um, and we're just doing some API stuff at the moment, uh, with a number of these, you should be able to see that this is real-time data from one of the sensors at the top of the screen, I guess, uh, 133 tro- uh, vehicles at 1310, which is sort of 10 minutes ago, we aggregate to every five, and it takes a couple of minutes to do the, the processing, um, so yeah, it's nice because it's Really, really simple. It's nice because it is actually live data that's there. Um, uh, I can't remember what I'm going to say later in my presentation. What I then went on to do is say live data is great, but actually, what people want is a big historic bank of data. This collects a lot of data very, very quickly, as you can imagine. We've got a thousand sensors across the city just for the for the traffic, we've got the parking. You can see we've got sign information, instant information, etc. Um, so, uh, what the guys, the next. Thing that I commissioned was a backend database that starts to store this data um, uh, in a time series database, which makes it really, really quick and easy to um, access. Don't understand the detail of all that. But apparently that was quite an interesting thing for me to have commissioned as well. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of that's kind of what it looks like. Um, so what didn't I know? Okay, well, data.birmingham.gov.uk already existed. So this is the CCAN portal, this is where your metadata goes in and whatever it might be um, and, and I hadn't got a clue of that so I was kind of going along a parallel path to what the rest of the, uh, uh, the, rest of the local authority uh, were doing um, in fact it didn't matter as much as I thought it did uh, because their database couldn't really cope with real-time data. At that point, 2014, we're still in the world of putting the chief exec salary on the, as of open data, and this was kind of a really important thing to do, um, and less about some of the real-time data sets. That said, transport data is probably one of the most interesting data sets that the local authority hold that sort of got direct relationship to things that uh, people in the community want to find out about often. So you do find that, that transport can be one of the ones that pushes things along. Um, data quality, so yeah, I really clear, carefully glossed over what was in that database when i um, uh, when I uh, showed you that there, uh, and one of the key missing things um, was uh, location information so if you 're a traffic manager um, trying to uh, uh, Collect data because it's running traffic signals. You don't actually need to know where these things are. You need a stick and hoop diagram that shows you links and what have you. And then you go, ah, yes, well, I know where that traffic signal is, and I know where all the things will be in relation to it because I'm a traffic engineer and I've worked in it for forty years. Um, so we did quite a nice little thing, really. Um, uh, uh, Brian Prangle from OpenStreetMap. So OpenStreetMap in Birmingham, I think, is really well set up. Um, I don't know. I keep doing that. Um, works uh, uh, really effectively. I'll see if it's here, <laughs> um, uh, and and so when I rang them up and said, "Well, we've got some location stuff that we need to do with you," um, uh, you know, they were really keen to get involved. So why did I need to do that? Well, the trouble with traffic is it flows; it's not just a point location. So you don't just need to know where the detector is, but you need to know which way it's pointing and what have you. Effectively, you need a base network to match it against. Um, where OpenStreetMap is almost better than OS and what have you is these ways and these links are all set up and we were able to um, attach our detectors to OpenStreetMap. Um, and if someone moves the link and what have you, then the data moves with them. Whereas if you attach it to OS and OS then change their um, toyed numbers or whatever they call their roads, then you lose the location of where your, your, your equipment is. So in some ways, it, it was better. Um, you know, and OpenStreetMap were great. So, you know, for enough money to buy him a drone, um, he worked out all this schema for us. Um, he typed in lots of information about where things are. So actually, we've got far more metadata about a, a, a number of our sensors than, than we would ever have before. Um, so that's just like a really nice little thing to, to have done this in like an open way with the community on something that's like transport and, and really, really techy. Um, uh, yeah, documentation, yeah, none. Um, literally, but partly because I didn't necessarily know any of these things, and we work slowly but surely to start to write some documentation. Uh, but it's worth saying that this we started to split these things up, and I'll show you at the end. This is like a low-level API. So you know, if you think of an API as being like, um, uh, like you know, your Siri or your Alexa, you know, and you can ask it questions. The questions you can ask this API is, what is that number there at this time? You can't ask anything that, that's clever. Um, what that meant is, you know, everyone, everyone has this idea that, um, uh, you know, you'll do open data and you'll give the uh, data to the private sector. They'll build all these amazing things. Local authority won't have to pay anything and it's all sorted. Um, in reality, you know, the, the level of what we had there, developers don't want to understand exactly what your data is and what they, they do. They just want the information that's available to build the uh, to build the app. So there was a lack of these sort of higher level APIs and we talk about it. And the other thing we start to get into when we start to think about, you know, how can we innovate against this data is, does the council really clearly know what its challenges around transport are? yes it does it knows it wants more people on the buses and it wants less congestion and it wants better road safety and what have you Uh, but it doesn't necessarily drive down beneath those well enough in order to um, express a challenge in a way that someone goes oh actually I could respond to that understand that Um, you know and there's I haven't put them in there's plenty of embarrassing photos of me at Brumhack when we went along saying we got this API 200 students uh, working on challenges and me saying oh I've got this Traffic data, I don't understand, but I understand that developers can do everything with this. Um, so yeah, um, we went through embarrassing steps, and, and you know that that's how that's how you learn. Um, OTN, um, we've sort of forgotten about that. So when you saw me present two projects at the start, you kind of imagined that the um, one with open would be the the more important um, project. Um, but again, you know, this is, I've done the Brumhack. We went with um, uh, OTN to, to, to Brumhack. And yeah, we found that, yes, we could put data on there, but no one wanted to use it. It kind of confirmed this point that we're working with sort of 13, 14, 15 other partners. None of the development partners on there really understood what we got and how they wanted to do it. Um, one did. Uh, we put the road safety um, data on there. And I just do this as an example, really. Um, you know, when, when you get it right, you know, s- uh, nice things start to appear. Um, I'm very sorry that I have to go through the, uh... <sighs> sorry, they were links, but yeah, sometimes they don't click, do they? Um... There, yeah. Um... This is just a nice thing to show, to, to break up the presentation, it's not necessarily the, the, the detail of my story. Um So yeah, we started to get some of these examples, and one of the things we wanted to move on is, this is a, with uh, road safety and traffic accidents, but um, we were trying to get them to start to move on to to, to do stuff about um, uh, real-time data as well. Uh, so this is every accident in Birmingham over a, sort of a 15-year uh, period, and this is the kind of analysis that all local authorities do. The the thing about this is you can, you can very, very quickly analyze the data sort of like that, and you can slide through the data sets very, very quickly, um, my mouse is not as good as it would be if I was on the desktop. Um you can you can zoom in, you can you can look at different locations around the city. You can see the hot spots at Borsley Circus on the ring road and five ways and all the things that that, that we kind of know little bits and pieces about. Um and um you can select a small amount of the day and you can see that in the middle of the night um, all the accidents uh, on Broad Street where all the people walk out in front of taxis and as you run through the day they turn up more at the sort of key congestion points and the AM peak and what have you. So there were, it's only really to say there were some good things about this project. We had a bit of a flavour of what we could start to do. Um, but but you know, that that, 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 that project was more about, about the other end of it than, than perhaps about, about releasing more um, data. Um, I'm trying to make a nice train of thought, really. So where did I go on from there? Um, (laughs) Bomb day. We started this Birmingham in Real Time project. Um, I wasn't part of it. Um, It was uh, Transport for West Midlands, the West Midlands Combined Authority. Um, It was uh, Birmingham City University. It was Innovation Birmingham. Um, It was Amy, who were one of our suppliers. Um, But I went along to the meeting saying, well, I've got open data, and I took my um, uh, uh, traffic data that we'd started to release the portal that I showed you at the start and said you know, well, well I've got this um, not many other people at that meeting took very much data um, uh, so uh, the guys from Birmingham City University were quite taken with this and, and took sort of a, a, a different approach than what I'd had with the suppliers which was right okay you've got some traffic that's really interesting let's see what we can find out that's in the data that's there given that there are lots of issues with quality, there's lots of issues with with metadata, et cetera, it might be. Um, So um, they'd had that for a few months. It wasn't my project, let them get on with it, what have you. Um, So about 20th of May this year, maybe a little bit earlier, we had this issue, uh, people may remember, there was a bomb um, from World War II found underneath the Aston Expressway, A38M. That's the main way you get into Birmingham off the M6. Um, Closed the traffic network down almost completely and that meant that there was like a really obvious thing that went on in the, in the data. Um, uh, this would have been so much more seamless. Um, so uh, what the guys um, did was um, uh, I went into the meeting and they started to show me these graphs, which may or may not come up now I'm thinking about it. Um, I'll tell you what it's going to say. Uh, basically, a really good graph of traffic going normally and then at 9.30 in the morning, bang, traffic speeds drop completely. Um, and, and the same, and the same the, the sort of the next day and then we can slowly but surely see the, the, the data come back, to, uh, come back together. I'm really sorry, I can't, I can't show you that, but probably I'm going quite quickly. That convinced me um, that the university um, had a really interesting role to play. A, because they had great... Um, ability to deal with sort of modern data sets. These guys didn't have the overhead of, of having worked for 40 years in the transport industry and knowing the way that they did it. Um, uh, a B because they understood data. These guys weren't traffic people actually, they were people who were working on music, I think. So they understood data as waves and they were quite happy to analyse it whichever way they thought was, was useful. Um, uh, and yet um, they weren't necessarily looking at the end point of how we're going to make a load of money out of this. It was more like how can we start to get some insights initially, which will again just try and encourage money, um, you know, sorry, encourage innovation a little bit further down the line. So for me, um, having gone through this process of we, we put open data out there we try and see who, who, um, who will use it and who will turn it into a business, um, we see that that doesn't really work without a bit of guidance. Um, I felt like the university was a little bit part of the picture here. Um, and, and it was kind sort of this, you, you, you put that piece in the jigsaw of someone who's just working with your data and doing some clever stuff and, and starts to, to, to make something a little bit uh, better that others can use. Um, uh, so, sort of the end of the story, roughly where we're up to at the moment is that we have this, this two things have happened really. Number one, we've got a stronger challenge than we ever had before. Um, So HS2 is coming, it will be built in 2026, however, it takes eight years to build one of these things. Through that eight-year period, Birmingham City Centre is going to be in a mess. We've also got things like Commonwealth Games, Um, we've also got huge amounts of maintenance that we haven't done because we've been waiting for HS2 to come and blah, 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 blah. So... um, Uh, the upshot of that means is we're going to need to be much more responsive in terms of how we are very similar to the London sort of Olympic challenge that they had in 2012 Um, it's all been put under this title Network Resilience which I don't think is the right title and I think it's a title stolen from the IT industry however what what, I, what they understand by it, what I understand by it, is basically saying you're going to need to be able to dynamically route traffic around the city centre. What that means is you have a load of roadworks. Initially you say, well, you're going to have to go this way instead, this is a diversion. In reality, when you get up on Monday morning you've done this significant diversion, it doesn't quite work, so you're going to want some software that changes things, so you want to be dynamically able to understand what's going on, uh, particularly if there's also then an accident occurs or whatever it might be. The first fruits of this are the BCU Analytics API. So I paid um, BCU um, to uh, then start to build um, uh, analytics on top of the on, on the data. So your um, your Siri or your Alexa, you can now ask better questions. This one: show me a graph of traffic speeds over last month or so. Um, and you can see how it, it sort of looks, and you can see this kind of... Um, so because the, the way this graph is, probably better just quickly say, is it's just trying to show you green is how many of our traffic centers are operating normally. Um, red is, are they doing better than usual, i.e. speeds are faster? And blue is, are they doing worse than usual? So uh, no prizes for guessing that this is the day it snowed in the middle of... Um, December, and you can see that everything everything goes wrong. You can see how long it takes to uh, for the traffic to start to get back to normal in the middle of the day. Uh, you can see it goes wrong again overnight as, as it gets really cold, etc et etc cetera, et cetera. and you can see we actually had a week of disruption that relates to that. You can also see the day it snowed before so we 're starting to get these insights of the data um, based on what they 're doing and they 're not finished yet, but th- this is the kind of, this is the kind of work that we 're doing. Um, so this has brought us onto to this sort of concept now of what are we going to do from here. This is roughly where we've got to. Like I said to you, I haven't come here to give you answers. I've come here to say this is my story up to now. Where are we going next? So data in the council looks a little bit like this at the moment when we talk about transport data, obviously. Um, there's a lot of people still over here working on spreadsheets. This is the number one way we manage data in the local authority is to write a massive spreadsheet about things. We have things like street work registers in in, in proprietary databases, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, and we, we have uh, some of this. Um, we also, you know, we do reports, we do requests, we do that kind of uh, uh, work that goes to councillors. We deal with members of the public, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We have mapping. We have some UTMCs there. Um, we have some tools. We have this kind of thing. We have some GS, GIS. Over in the bottom corner, we have some very clever people doing clever things. So most people haven't heard of Tableau in the local authorities, but some have, and so they're doing really clever data visualizations with this. We have some really interesting stuff. We're doing floating vehicle data. This means detecting um, Wi-Fi signals on the road um, at various locations so we can use them to work out how fast traffic are going. Um, uh, We are have projects that Optimum is my latest EU project I'm working on, we have this idea of doing a regional integrated command and control centre with lots of screens and what have you. So there is cool stuff going on, but there's also the old way and there's also other things in the middle there that that, that, that we're, we're trying to work on. So I don't know where we go really, but this is what we're starting to move dif- um, towards really. And this is just conceptual, it's not the way it's going to work but what we want to try and do is to have open data always through the system and and particularly open apis that sit between the various levels i've got to go quite quickly now so i'm just going to try my best to explain explain what what i'm trying to say here so we built the utmc at this level of raw data raw information about what's going on on the road network Um, uh, we then said we now want to process that and we want to turn it into something that's a bit more interesting, maybe merge it with other data sets, either private or public and what have you. And then at the top level, um, we have the ways of viewing this data. Some people will still need spreadsheets right over in the corner, but some people want to do this in a cool way. And so what we're trying to do is build a system where we've got all the relevant tools that we need in order to um, process and analyse our data and provide the right information to the right people, public communication tools particularly. Um, so, so that's kind of what that shows. What I'm trying to contrast it with is the old days where what we buy is from one of these big companies, a system that runs everything. And what we're finding is, you know, I'm doing traffic analytics, but there's another guy doing bus delays, working with ODIs in Leeds, looking at how they can, um, uh, how they can uh, analyse the uh, data coming out of um, the real time bus system and see if they can find how many days a week um, the bus is late and how much bunching happens, all this kind of thing. Um, but that doesn't have to be built by the same person who built my traffic analytics package. And it doesn't have to be done by the same person who's tra- traffic modeling. Um, and it doesn't have to relate to the same person who's collecting the raw data. When we produce those results API, we can do them as a spreadsheet, but we could also do them with one of the clever modern new tools or whatever it might be. So this is kind of what we're working towards. So not just open data now, but these sort of open APIs. That sit in the middle of our data and we try and get people to, to, to understand how we're working a little bit better. Um, the reason for that, um, no, sorry, the, the, the upshot of that is, is, is that the local authority needs to have more skills as a client. We really got to the point um, a few years back where we didn't know anything and we we're just saying we must commission everything that we do and we've sort of hit the point now where if we're going to keep pace in the modern world, we can't just be like that, just writing briefs and just assuming that things will happen. But equally, the supply side needs to catch up with us as well, and the people working with us need to start to understand that I've got a graph, like a sort of a diagram, like this sitting in my head. It's not fully formed, but you want to work, you need, you need to be working with us, you need to understand what an API is, and you need to understand why it's important. Um, uh, so is it happy ever after? Well, I still don't know. I mean, I'm still clearly in the middle of this, um, uh, partly because I didn't know whether I was going to give this presentation in. September, which I think was the original date, like last year, or whether it was going to give it in a few months' time. Um, but yeah, we're certainly in a much better position. We're able to um, uh, say a lot more things about what we're doing. Um, our next steps, clearly, is what we want to do is improve the raw data. So underlying just everything to do with this, you can talk cool stuff. You can say you're doing these amazing things. Everyone can be really impressed with what you're doing. Ultimately, if we don't collect the raw data that we need. Um, then uh, a lot of this falls down. And you know, so I want insights about that traffic junction. It's like, well, if all the signals are broken, all the loops broken, nothing really works, uh, then you can't do it. So we must never forget that that needs to underpin the work that we do. We can use clever tools to try and cover up some of the problems with the data, but we must, we must come back to that. Um, Yeah, we want to connect to more and better data sources. Clearly, with transport, we're going in this one direction of saying, well, the local authority collects lots of things. You might say to me, yes, but mobile phone providers have all this data as well, and so do INRICs who have got boxes in cars, and there'll be autonomous vehicles, and there'll be all these other things. Um, So we're definitely working on that kind of challenge at the moment. Um, We're definitely working with things like not just collecting um, the the amount of traffic that's coming past traffic signals, but we're working out the signal phase, i.e., is it red, amber, or is it green now? That's the kind of thing that's going to be really important to an autonomous vehicle to know whether they can get across the traffic lights, not just that it can see it, but there's an API that tells it what's going on. Um, and, yeah, we still need to just be a lot more clearer if we're really going to have innovation in the transport sector about what our challenges are um, and, uh, and, and how people can, can, can better work with us. Um, so I think that feels about right. <laughs> that's, uh, that, that's where I'm up to, really. Um, so it's just really any questions.
1: Any questions they want to use the microphone? Oh, great. Start that off that way. Could you just say your name and where you're from before you ask your question? And talk John,
2: to the way John Harvey, I've retired, taken the money before they can change the pension <laughs> rules on me, and I was a property lawyer in local government. Yeah. One of the most difficult things you have to do
0: yeah.
2: is a compulsory purchase order. For road improvements, now mm. you talk about street works, yeah. but not as I see it, infrastructure. I've not seen anything on infrastructure improvement. One of the reasons that these things are so difficult mm. and it of, often goes wrong, because that, is there are two problems. One, road, one road improvements take land mm. to land near the road is fragmented and has to be dealt with precisely mm-hmm. and three and most importantly the engineers will never tell you when they change something mm-hmm. really you're talking about co- connect to more and better data sources mm-hmm. the land registry published a plan in December mm-hmm. for its business plan mm-hmm. which includes using open data mm-hmm. or, would, is there any possibility that you would connect the Land Registry's ownership data with infrastructure improvements so that you could know when the ball game has changed?
0: Um, okay, so all I can say is what we, we do and what we can do and what we're starting to do. Um, uh, and certainly um, we're getting more aware that this issue of, you know, we come up with a scheme and then it changes and the start date changes and various of things that we're doing uh, um, are changing. So we are very much starting to work with, again, initially with OpenStreetMap to start to say, as we do all these works, let's keep the information up to to speed about when we're going to do things, are we going to do them as planned, all the rest of these things. Uh, in terms of stuff about the um, the, the land registry, I mean, it sound, what you're saying sounds like a great idea, but it's not really my, my area, so I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. i can grab it can't Questions? i one would be great Just <laughs> i've actually got one go on then
1: um, how do people internally react to you um your approach to opening data
0: weird actually because um i think there's there's like i said at the start there's plenty of naysayers and there's pl- a lot of people that said um uh no no we shouldn't we shouldn't be doing things like this and certainly when I speak to our Digital Birmingham colleagues they've been to different areas of the city oh, we, we shouldn't have that, we shouldn't be doing this I was working on a project a little bit apart from the rest of the council often didn't ask any of the questions that I should have potentially asked and so I, you know, and I had a project that demanded that I did open data um, so, uh, less issues perhaps internally, but certainly with um, Amy, who's a service provider, at that time they had sort of a high-level guy that said, but this data's on our systems, blah, 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 blah. And then you get to the point in one of the meetings where I had to say, look, we've got a £150,000 contract with you for this project, um, we can't do this project, or, or you let me have the data after all its ours, and all our contracts say that all the data belongs to us. So, you did get some of that kind of stuff happen, but almost... And what so I am saying, there's a pragmatism. I didn't necessarily ask as many questions. I think it's very easy to go in and say, um, uh, I've got this data, I can think of a million reasons why I shouldn't release it, what do you think? And you get a particular answer. Whereas if you say, well, I've done this, um, you know, if it's gone wrong, we'll, we'll take it down. And every day I've been expecting that portal. I'll get someone who rings me up and says, well, we shouldn't be doing it like this, or we're doing this the wrong way. Or somehow a traffic loop collects personal information or one of these kind of comments. So I kind of, you know, it, there's always this balance of, of, of starting properly at the beginning. And a lot of the EU projects we work on now start with, you know, this, this kind of uh, uh, assessment of privacy and impact and whatever it might be. That wasn't kind of the way, the way it worked at the time when I, when I first started on this. Um, and... Uh, yeah, the suck-it-and-see works quite well. Um, uh, there's quite an interesting parallel. I used to work on cycle parking when I first started, and Birmingham would go and consult with all the councillors and all the rest of these things, and we wouldn't do. Uh, we, you know, half the schemes would get dropped off. It's precisely the reason why stuff doesn't happen when you expect it to happen. when um, We went to Northamptonshire. So how do you solve this problem? So, oh, we don't do it like that. We put the cycle parking in, and if anyone complains, we take it out. And that happens very occasionally. So there is that kind of balance of, of, um, uh, uh, of working these things out. And there's no right answer, is it? Because if you, put all the, if you did it all and everybody said you've done it wrong, that's a lot of wasted money and you've got someone to answer to. On the other hand, if you spend your whole life rigging it so that you don't achieve anything, there's probably questions to be answered as well. So, yeah, there wasn't much resistance... Internally, I've tried my best to sort of come into line with the processes, and the, and you say the Birmingham data factory, and the C cans and the D cans. Is there a N can? I don't know. <laughs> you know uh, so yeah. Thank you. Any other
1: questions?
2: About so thank you for this talk. Um, my question is more on this: these levels of API, and you talked about processing data. Yeah. Um, Processing data makes a lot of sense because yeah. you don't as you said you don't want to release everything but it also I can imagine would be useful for the, as you also said it would make it useful for people who want to use it further downstream. Yeah. How did you guide, what, what guided you as to the level of, of, pro, of where the processing should take place? Was it something that you just went, oh, we think that this is probably what people would want to have? Or was there a relationship with the developer? Well,
0: this is, it? this is the learning points, really, at the moment. Um, so, again, uh, what guided it initially is the quality of the data that we have. Um, so we spent a long time trying to say we need to be able to detect things at exactly this point location because we want to know if there's been an accident. The data that we have doesn't quite support that at the moment. It probably would in London because we've got loads of money. Um, But when you're talking about more global things, I showed you when it snowed and what have you, we certainly can do that at the moment and we can break it down into areas of the city and what have you. So at the moment, it's been led by data availability. the reason I've got to go in two minutes is I'm going to try and sneak in a meeting with this man um, uh, uh, from a, a consultant down the road. Um, uh, he's very much trying to say, right, okay, now is the point where we need to bring in the public, we need to bring in stakeholders. Actually, the number of stakeholders of the road is, is massive. I went to this meeting and so said, who are your key stakeholders? And the traffic managers with local authority were sat there and they listed off just like hundreds of different groups and peoples and pressure groups and councillors and what have you. So actually, we, we do need to start to understand more what the need is and what have you. Obviously, the point always is when you work on innovation, people don't necessarily know what the next thing they want. Do they want a city mapper? Or do they want an Uber? Who knew until it had been done? So there is that side of it. But yes, we do need to get a bit more into the you know what do what, what people need yet. Yeah. one more if if there is one more
1: oh I've just got one more okay Um, a lot of this data the release of it was it based on actual demand or based on the council thinking that it was data that would be useful
0: no it was based on the fact that I had to I went on a project and they said it's open data so I released it um, definitely not based around demand. Um, very much no effort went into saying who would, who would find this useful. Um, it's sort of taking the other approach, saying this is data, it should be made open. Um, and it would be lovely to say that our approach is to just say, well, anything that doesn't have private information or secret commercial issues is, is, is made open. I can't say that, I don't work in that department. Certainly in terms of this, that's what we did, not necessarily with a big high-up reason for, for saying that. And I see no reason to... To, to get rid of it. Some of those data sets in there aren't great, they just say what's on the sign now and it's kind of not, not very useful but some of the others is really useful.
1: Okay. Brilliant. Uh, thank you Andy. Thank you very uh, much. Next week we've got Dan Het, who is our artist in residence uh, talking about his latest um, in-house work of art called Transmissions and it's about encryption. So if you're around next week please do come and join us and can we uh, thank Andy again for a round of applause. Thank you. <laughs>
2: You've been listening to a Friday Lunchtime Lecture,
0: brought to you by the Open Data Institute.